Shark Child, and this, this is the Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Grab a cup, Grab of, a tea cup of tea or coffee, or, coffee or, your or your favorite energy drink, energy drink. and pull up a pillow. Or, or relax, relax your, your chair in your, chair car. In your car. car. Then, then ease your, ease mind, your mind and let my, let words, my words drizzle, drizzle over, over your brain, brain like, like syrup, syrup over, pancakes. over pancakes. Let the buttery, the buttery goodness, goodness just kind of soak, soak into, into the cracks, the cracks of, your of your skull. And when you can't when you bear can't the bear sensation the of it anymore, anymore scream. scream. Scream from your gut. Scream, scream out, scream for it to stop, for it to stop, scream for more, scream for more. This is episode 27 of the Dark Verse, and it is entitled, The Clock's Many hands. My hands were always true. I relied on their dexterity for manipulation, their sturdiness for strength, and their gentleness for care. With hands, I led myself forward through the galaxies of all things. Just as an insect's wings are its salvation from danger and guide to survival, my hands were the guardians and practitioners of my life. They were simple tools, but they held the capacity for feats far greater than that what was seemingly possible. I used to stare at my hands, as delicate and worn as they were, and wonder about the future's brethren. Every line, every wrinkle, depicted a trail and experience that cut deeply into the meat on my bones. Ravines, ridges, hills, bruises, scratches, they formed the map of my past. For such a medieval being, I was burdened with the horrible novelty of self-reflection. Garnering understanding should never have been an attribute of my very trivial existence, let alone the curse of my accompanying emotional flaws. There was always a certain nostalgia that lingered with me, though I did nothing differently than I always had. Mechanical clocks were my occupation, and gears were my expertise although I did not work on them so much as I lived within them. I was very small, small enough to slide through cracks, but I thought nothing of it. It was all I ever knew. When my energy was with me, 
I would clean and align. When I grew wearisome, I would rest and think. Of my kind, I found none other than the rare glimpses I caught of myself upon the freshly cleaned glass covering the elderly faces and bodies of ageless clocks. The sight of myself was not pleasing, and it took several days for the wearing effect it had on me to fade. I was content with being the hidden repairman of time, the plain, tangible, ticking relic kind of time. I did my clock labor for many years without turmoil. I took to my job as if it were nothing less than the same vital blood coursing through my minuscule veins. But that was not enough for the abounding force lurking with me through the mazes rapturously winding behind the dark woods of the clock multitudes. One evening, in the cove of my labor, I found a rhythm of mechanical genius unlike anything anyone had discovered before. Amongst the gears of my presently inhabited clock, I stumbled upon a motion similar to the unseen touch of fate. Like the consistent sounds of the clocks that were my homes, a steady streaming, calculative, and predictive path made its way through the air and anything else exposed to presence. As surely as one second preceded the next, in intensity and pause, the boundaries behind doors unreachable could be seen by the suppression of this impeccable yet variable equation. I could not even comprehend how the intellect had struck me. It was not there, and then it was. I was void of awareness, and then I was present. If I could explain more fully the mystery of which I unlocked, I would do so, but its trifle mixture of art and science was the deciphering of a very primitive mind. I was, in the same, a caveman who had created fire, but knew not how it occurred. I could create it over and over, but never would I know the reason behind it. With my own two hands, I constructed an arrangement of gears to willingly with precise frequency, open a particle of space that led to a place not relative to the recognizable. In being a creature of delicate ways, I could have hardly predicted what was to be seen. When I set the gears in motion, I had no hesitations. My curiosity was piqued, and my excitement could hardly be contained. The ticking of the clock slowed to a more surreal beat as its gears were slightly altered to harness the very peculiar summoning. The sound reverberated through the air, touching upon life and the beyond, awaking that beyond, and opening that beyond. I left the clock and watched it from a short distance. The ticking stopped. Wood splintered and gears burst. A hole of dementia opened where the clock once stood and produced a terrific entity of mass. How beautiful, I told myself as I looked upon what stood before me. The words were crisp and wonderful in my mind. What I saw was nothing like the images I caught of myself. I wished to be just like it. 
Out of unknown reflex, I offered forward my hands in proclamation of peace. But it mattered not what I did, for the thing did not notice me. It stepped out of its void and the remains of the clock and dashed off into the domains of humanly light, taking its thick silhouette with it. There were certain things I had come to understand, and one of those things was my pathetic insignificance against the landscape of all that there was. I was not ever noticed, and my work was never mentioned of. I had easily come to terms with the truth, but it was not my intention to feel that way at this rare, triumphant moment. The success of my actions was quickly lost on me. I would never see the strange beast again, though I heard its trail echo off into the distance. That clock was only my first experience with bridging affairs. Many more followed. I tried many different frequencies of ticking within many different handcrafted clocks, and united with my world a vast array of unimaginable places. Nothing I saw was ever the same as what had come before it. Continuously, I brought things into the human realm that it had never known of, letting them mesh and mingle and clash in dreadfully unnatural ways. My personal world was small, and so those things occurring outside of my world, in reaction to my hand's great works, went completely unnoticed by me. But my world was changing as well. Instead of maintaining and fixing clocks, I was destroying them, one by one, while things entered through them, one by one. Eventually, the clocks that I sought became harder and harder to locate. What had never been a problem before soon became an unruly thorn in my side. I found myself hiding in walls of pawn shops while rats scurried about their privy errands. My hands worked less, and my thoughts dwindled into lone desires for frequencies that could awaken the dead. I became a very desperate soul. The last clock I ever found that held the capabilities of my hands brought forth the first entity that ever noticed me. When the dust of this clock had settled and the void lingering behind had sizzled away like smoke, an enormous being was revealed. It had sickle-like feet and long, twisting barbed wire legs a clump of contorting clay that rapidly pumped out and in formed its body. Resting on the pulsating body was a head of dark matter with large, sunken eye sockets. At first, I saw no eyes within that face, but there was movement from deep within the pits of those sockets that caught my attention. Something swirled and circled within each hole. They blurred for a moment, and then completely stopped upon me. Nothing had ever looked directly into me, seen me, ever before. I stared profusely back into the eyes of the being, nightmarishly far, like daggers stabbing into endless fathoms of unrelenting filth. 
The entity squealed with unrest and began to writhe on the ground of the abandoned warehouse where I found the clock. It never stopped screaming. It was tortured. It was afraid. While the thing squirmed in panic before me, I climbed inside of it. What was I? I asked myself just before vanishing completely within. I answered that question as I fixed the creature's gears with my altruistic hands. I knew immediately where my work had to continue. That concludes episode 27 of The Dark Verse. Check out all of my stories at thedarkverse.com or download them on iTunes. Add me as a friend on MySpace, myspace.com slash thedarkverse. If you'd like to talk to me about any of my stories or just talk to me about the weather, email me at sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. Okay, goodbye. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Shark Child and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.